0: I appreciate Jerry uh, only sharing about half of the things I was going to mention tonight, so that's okay. You know, it struck me as we saw these young children run out, a lot of them are running, you know. They've got a lot of enthusiasm. One of the big things they've got is they don't want to be left behind. They want to get out with their class. We don't want to be left behind as we prepare tonight. Now, it's a privilege to be before you all tonight. I know that a lot of you have made a sacrifice to be here. You've traveled a long way. And uh, I just thought of a verse as I was thinking about seeing how everybody had to travel so much. And the verse that uh, the Apostle Peter opened his first letter with. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. You know, we're gathered tonight as aliens, really from all over the world. And you know, this word aliens, aliens can also be translated as strangers and sojourners. And I'm very thankful to be on a journey with you all. We are all on a journey together. You know, we're on that journey that we heard uh, Father Abraham start. Abraham obeyed by going out, not knowing where. You know? He didn't know where, but he obeyed. But he did know where he was going. He didn't know specifically, but he was looking for that city that has foundations whose architect and builder is God. Thank the Lord that we are fellow travelers, sojourners, looking for that city that has foundations. And I just look forward to these times as we can come apart. The Lord has really blessed us with the time to be together, uh, that we might be encouraged by one another's faith and uh, strengthened to stay in the race. It really is a gift that we're here. I think we need to understand that. Three years ago, four years ago, after three or four years, the University of Richmond kept trying to get rid of us. Whoops. They kept pushing us out, little by little. And, you know, we really kind of did some soul-searching at that time, and we said, Huh, maybe the Lord's trying to say something. Maybe we should just not do this anymore. But you know what we heard after three years? After three years of being here, it became very clear that the Lord wasn't evicting us from the University of Richmond. The issue was he had something much better, and we were dull of hearing. This is much better. This uh, university and this place have just blessed us immensely. Where we couldn't get uh, people to do anything for us in the past, these people do everything for us. So I would encourage everyone, as you see some of the university staff, just to extend your thanks to them. They really have welcomed us. And uh, it really is beyond just a sales pitch. I think these other guys would attest to that. Well, as uh, Kenny was saying, as Jerry was saying, this is the 35th family conference. I was thinking of Kenny because Kenny was only 10 years old 35 years ago. <laughs> he I had Kenny on my mind. He got, he's, he's gotten kind of beat up over the years. He, but... Uh, 35 years ago, 35 and 2, there were two conferences before the family conference, 37 years. As I was thinking about 35 years, it seems like a long time. I know in the Lord's sight, it's really a dot. It's very barely visible. But in our lifetime, it's a long time. And I couldn't help but thinking, we need to stop and think about it. 35 years You know, I was talking to one of the men in Richmond, and uh, I don't know if it's a sign of getting older. I don't think it is. I think it's good to stop and reflect. Stop and think about it. There's a word that we have in the Psalms, Selah. And there's a lot of uh, translations, and I kind of looked up the meaning of that word, and there were too many discussions about it. But there is a translation of that word that comes out of the Amplifies. that says... Pause and calmly think about it. In the things we discussed this week, I just want to encourage us all to pause and think about it. 35 years. There's someone, um, where have you been? Where have we been over 35 years? And the other thing that comes quickly on the heels of where have we been? What's the next question? Jerry got it. He made up for some of that. But he said, uh, "Where are we going? If we don't have an idea this is really something. If we don't have an idea of where we're going, we're going to have we're going to get somewhere, but Lord only knows where we're going to get. The pace of this world, the current of this world is going to take us, and we're going to get there. But where are we going to get?" So that's just a personal thought to each one of us: Where have we been? How have we been spending our days, and where are we going? Generally, 35 years, specifically, what is the purpose of this conference? What are the purpose of this series of conferences? Uh, is this a good time to come together to have Bible study? Fellowship? Prayer groups? To see our friends? To be encouraged? Absolutely. Yes. But that's not really it. Yes and no. We believe that this, uh, the Lord called us to have these conferences, these many years ago, with a more specific purpose. And that's something to be shared about God's eternal purpose. I believe that's a theme that we'll hear from each of the speakers about God's eternal purpose. And I wonder, uh, let me th- let me think just a minute. You know, uh, this purpose, the purpose that God's after, I believe, is that he's after something for himself. You know? The gospel that's preached in this country, maybe broadly in this world, is about... What's in it for me? God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, and there's no question about it. It's a wonderful truth. But that's just the beginning. Look at, uh, we're talking about Peter, so let's look at, uh, in his first epistle again, we were at uh, the first of that. And in First uh, Peter 2, verse 9... 1 Peter 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And the thought I had was, we are certainly born again, born again to a living hope. But it's for his purpose. We're a people for God's own possession. We're not saved to squander our lives on our own interests, but we're saved for his purpose and his benefit. Well, we have this phrase that we hear so often, the eternal purpose. Where does that phrase come from? Let's look at Ephesians 3. Turn to Ephesians 3, verse 8. Ephesians 3. Apostle Paul says, To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's where that word comes from, eternal purpose. And uh, I'm concerned that we really take that word just cliché, the eternal purpose. I've heard that, word, that phrase used really improperly, you know. What is the eternal purpose? Can each one here articulate what the Lord's after? Simply, very simply. Sometimes I think if we have an explanation that's this long, we've lost it. We don't really see it. But uh, what is God's eternal purpose? Let's look. Paul tells us back in the uh, first, first chapter of Ephesians. Turn to Ephesians 1. We'll read 7 to 10. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him. With a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things upon the earth. Summing up of all things in Christ. God's eternal purpose. Summing up of all things in Christ. Is the completion, the realization, the summing up of all things at hand. How soon is it? He's at the door. Uh, in Ephesians one eighteen, I don't think this is something we can... Uh, we can manufacture, we can't work at it harder and get that understanding, see that, uh, that vision. But 118 says, uh, Paul went on in that chapter and he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. So we need to pray this week that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we might see with the eyes of our heart what his purpose is. We're thankful for our initial salvation. But as the TV salesman says, wait, there's more. He's after a people for his own possession to sum up all things in Christ. So this conference's purpose from the beginning to express something of God's eternal purpose. And that's my second Selah. The first Selah was think about it. Think about 35 years. And the second Selah is think about God's eternal purpose. Are you here for the first time? Any Anybody here for the first time? Quite a few. Surprise! Anybody here for 35? Who's here for the 35th time? Kenny and Hosea? I'm sure there's more I can't see out there. Anyway, if you're here for the first time, I have a charge to you. Pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened so that you may See the hope of his calling. Are you here for 35 times? I have a word for you. Pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened so that you may see the hope of his calling. I have a little testimony here. You know, 35 years is a long time and we can get really worn out with it. We can get beat up. We can be sorely tempted to throw in the towel. And uh, last year, I went for uh, my semiannual eye examination. And the uh, doctor finished his examination, and he said, well, your eyes look real good. Your eyes look good. But anybody that's 50, 60, you know, you get to this point where you go to the doctors, and the doctors always say, well, you're doing really well, but I said, oh, no. What's this? What's this? He said, well, you're doing okay, but you've just got the beginning of a little cataract in this eye. I said, cataract? I thought I was about 29 years old. What do you mean i got a cataract? That's for old people. He said, no, 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 you're fine. It's not, nothing unusual at all, but it's a cataract. What's, what's a cataract? So I looked up the definition of cataract. A clouding that develops in the lens of the eye. I didn't know I had a cataract. The eye was beginning to cloud. Is there anyone here that's been here for 35 years? 30? 29? 25 that maybe we're starting to get a little cataract on our eye? Let's ask the Lord to heal those cataracts this week and open the eyes of our heart. Okay, so God's eternal purpose. Selah 1, 35 years. Think about it. Selah 2, God's eternal purpose. We've seen it. We haven't seen it. We need to see it. We've seen it, but we've got a cataract. So let's really just lay that out before the Lord. The uh, specific thing for this week, I'm going to read some out of the handbook. Jerry, if he can take some of my stuff, I can take some of his stuff. So, So the handbook says, Waiting for and Hastening the Coming of the Lord. And there are two verses. I'm going to read a shorter verse. Uh, Luke, I'm going to read them in the order they came out of the uh, website. It says, Luke 21:28. But when these things begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws nigh. Look up, for your redemption draws nigh. And then Second Peter. All these things then, being dissolved, what are... What ought you to be in holy conversation and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God? I'm going to read that whole chapter here in a minute. But what we say, if you look at the second part of the handbook, page 3, the greetings at the top. Let me just read what the burden was for this conference. As we prayed and sought the Lord for the theme of this year's conference, we were impressed with the imminence of the Lord's return. Uh, for anybody that's from uh, different parts of the country, that's imminence with an I. That means very soon, at the door. So we were impressed with the imminence to the Lord's return. The Word of God makes it very clear that when we consider, quote, these things, that the Lord's coming is nearer than ever before. We were also impressed that often believers look at the Lord's coming in view of themselves alone. We ought to look at the Lord's return in view of the eternal purpose of God. What does he want? Why should we be prepared? How should we be waiting for and hastening his return? As a people or corporate expression, what manner of people ought we to be to fulfill his purpose in coming again? In light of this, as we gather, we want to consider the imminence, purpose, recovery, and battle over the Lord's return. If you look at the front page those four are the topics that uh, the four different speakers are going to cover our prayer is that in these end days God's people may be made ready for him <clears throat> you know i want to read turn to second uh, peter we looked at first peter now let's look at second peter and read second peter chapter 3 it's commonly understood that this is the last book that Peter wrote. Chapter three is the last chapter of the last book. If someone was writing the last thing they had to say to the family, to the church that he was leaving behind, don't you think it would be the most important thing he had to say to him? So I thought it would be good just to read through this, and this is one thing we can be considering. What did Peter have to say? What was the most important thing? He said, chapter 3, verse 1, This now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. He might have ministered this before to them. They might have heard it before, but he's saying, listen up, this is important. That you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. I don't know if it's from within the church, but certainly from out without, we've got more mockers. People are saying, come on, guys, what's up? uh, More resistance. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was being destroyed, being flooded with water. The children are studying Noah this week. But the present heavens and earth by his word are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. The Lord's not slow, but he's patient toward us that we might all come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God on account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Hallelujah. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found in him by him in peace, spotless and blameless. And regard the patience of our Lord to be salvation. Just as also our beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. is also in all his letters speaking in them of these things. In which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures, to their own destruction. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard, lest, being carried, carried away by the error of unprincipled men, you fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now. And to the day of eternity. Amen. What's Peter's argument? What's he saying? These things are going to be burned in fire, and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. In light of that, in light of this world not lasting, what kind of people ought we to be? What should we be doing with our days? What should we be doing with our lives? We've been talking about stopping and considering to say law, stop and think about it. And this is the third say law. We really need to stop and think about the Lord's return. I have to tell you, I don't think too much about the Lord's return. That's one of the reasons I was really looking forward to this conference. How many people really stop and think are caught with the Lord's return? Um, I think there's a lot of things that stay in our way. The pace of this world will crowd out any chance of waiting on the Lord and thinking about his return. How many people in here have enhanced cell phones, Blackberries, iPhones, so forth? How many got a buzz just while we were sitting here? Did you have them on? Was it on silent? You know, those things are eating us alive. They're eating our days up. Anyway, many things that keep us from uh, being prepared for the Lord. Are we too satisfied with the status quo? Are we too satisfied with the situation we find ourselves in, comfortable life? I think so. You know, one thing I think that keeps us away from considering the last things is uh, the teaching can get complicated. There's a lot of details and I think it can put us off. And might we cut through that this week, not be put off? Because it's very simple. Peter makes it very simple. There's a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. The Lord is returning for his own to be, to be restored to his rightful place. I wonder if also if some of this shaking we feel, how many people... Th- it felt uh, it 's been thirty five years but how many people feel like the shaking of the last six months the things we see going on morally around the world is a pretty strong shaking how many people th- you know it 's a strong shaking but let 's read just hebrews hebrews 12 a common a passage what if the lord isn 't allowing that? very familiar passage, Hebrews twelve twenty five. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less shall we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he is promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heaven. And this expression, yet once more, more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, in order that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. The shaking's terrible, but it's with a purpose that those things which can't be shaken will remain. Thank the Lord for shaking things. What is our expectation for this week? Do we have an expectation? If we don't have an expectation, we're not going to get very far. But uh, it occurs to me that the Lord is not after a mental agreement with these teachings, but He's after our hearts. He's after spiritual recognition that the eyes of our heart might be opened and we would begin to long for His return. The Amplified in that first, second uh, Peter 3, verse 12 says, While you wait and earnestly long for the coming of the day of God. While you wait and earnestly long for. Our week uh, will be a success, I think. If we can leave and say, in some measure, we earnestly long for the Lord's return. And that we could answer that question, what kind of people ought we be? No one can answer that question. It strikes me that the the speakers will not be able to answer the question. They'll give us some help, but each one of us has got to answer that question. What kind of people ought we to be in light of the Lord's soon return? We may only have a few weeks. Who knows? A few days. What are we doing with our lives? Well, let me just close. Let me summarize. I think what the Lord is really after is that the only value that's the only way we're going to get value out of this week is to be engaged spiritually, engaged with our hearts. To say law, make the whole week a say law. This world is in such a dizzying spin. Stop. Determine tonight to stop. Get off the roller, uh, the Ferris wheel. Just get off the roller coaster and stop and think about it. The first thing we were going to think about was 35 years. Where have we been? And where are we going? The second thing we wanted to think about was God's eternal purpose. If we haven't really heard about that, we wanted to pray Lord, open our eyes that we might see something what you're after. If we have heard about it a long time ago, we wanted to pray. Lord, open the eyes of my heart, that I might see what you're after. And the final thing that we wanted to consider and think about, Selah, what kind of people ought we to be? What are we doing with our lives? How are we spending the lives that the Lord has given us? Particularly in light of his soon return. So three Selahs. And I'd like to uh, close with a little quote. It's uh, I actually Googling the Lord's Return, and I, uh, there's a site where there's quite a bit of A.W. Tozer articles. And uh, quite a few years ago, A.W. Tozer wrote an article. I can't remember the title, but I think it was, Whatever Happened to This Hope? Of his return. And here's let me just read a few a few items, a few quotes from that article. A. W. Tozer died in the '60s, you know. I think he was something like he was 62, and he died in '62. So that gives you an idea of how long ago this was written. Probably before that, he says, a short generation ago, or about the time of the First World War, there was a feeling among gospel Christians that the end of the age was near. And many were breathless with anticipation of a new world order about to emerge. I think we've got people breathless about a new world order about to emerge today that isn't the one Brother Tozer was talking about. Breathless with anticipation about a new world order about to emerge. Thus the hopes and dreams of Christians were directed toward an event to be followed by a new order in which they would have a leading part. This expectation for many was so real that it quite literally determined their world outlook and way of life. It should be noted that there is a vast difference between the doctrine of Christ's coming and the hope of his coming. The first may hold without feeling a trace of the second. Indeed, there are multitudes of Christians today who hold the doctrine of the second coming. What I've talked about here is that overwhelming sense of anticipation that lifts the life onto a new plane and fills the heart with rapturous optimism. This is what we lack today. So let's just spend a few minutes here in prayer. Uh, Maybe when we start, we can just be quiet for the Lord a few minutes and think about it. Ask the Lord to meet us this week ask us to give us that rapturous hope of his return, to deliver us from our being bound by this world and its cares into an anticipation for his return. And uh, when we're done, I'll, I'll close.